G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It is the Tuesday edition of 2020. On a Tuesday, we always like to check in on the latest breaking news headlines as they affect Israel and the wider Middle East. Ron Ross is back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, lots of important headlines overnight. Let's start with one that involves Russia and Syria. Of course, Syria, a neighbour to Israel. Russia is moving air defences to Syria soon and is warning Israel against attack. Russia will supply Syria with S-300 anti-aircraft defence systems soon. A senior Russian official has told Commerçant newspaper yesterday warning Israel that it would suffer catastrophic consequences if it attacks the system. According to the report, the system will be supplied to the regime of Bashar al-Assad for no cost and will likely be brought into the country via transport aircraft or Russian Navy ships to be deployed to cover Damascus and the regime's airfields. The report stated that while Moscow believes that such a move would stabilise the situation in war-torn Syria, experts believe that the reaction of the Israeli military to such a move will predictably be negative and do not exclude attacks from Israel onto their locations. If Israel decides to carry out rocket strikes on the deployment locations of the S-300, the consequences will be catastrophic for all sides, Russian defense officials told the Moscow newspaper. Last week, Chief of Main Operational Directorate, Colonel General Sergei Rudskoy, said that in the past year and a half, Russia has fully restored Syria's air defence system and continues to further upgrade it. Moscow had refused to supply the surface-to-air missile system to Syria a few years ago after taking into account the pressing request of some of the Western partners. But following U.S.-led airstrikes on Syrian regime chemical weapons infrastructure, Russia considered the possibility to return to examination of the issue, not only in regard to Syria, but to other countries as well, he said. Ron, uh, we're almost to the end of April and anticipating the month of May. And there is a headline Uh, which is concerning, where the former head of the Israeli Defence Forces Intelligence says this will be Israel's most dangerous May since 1967. What's the story? Yeah, this is a story I saw yesterday from Al Jamina. The former chief of Israel Defence Forces Intelligence believes the month of May could be the most dangerous Israel has faced since before the 1967 Six-Day War. In May 1967, the security situation in the Middle East began to deteriorate as Egypt expelled UN peacekeepers from Sinai and three Arab nations mobilized their forces along Israel's borders. Israel eventually launched a preemptive strike in early June and decisively defeated Egypt, Jordan and Syria. 
in the last Independence Day ceremonies, I was reminded of the independent ceremonies of 1967, Amos Yedlin said. The Jerusalem parade, everyone was satisfied, but they didn't pay attention to the beginning of developments that snowballed into the Six-Day War. Yedlin also warned against Israeli complacency and overconfidence. He pointed to Israel's failure to predict the 1973 Yom Kippur War, in which Egypt and Syria caught Israel unawares on its holiest day and inflicted heavy casualties on the Jewish state before being defeated by the IDF. When the heads of state talk about Israel as a superpower, it also reminds me of the noises of 1973, Yadlin said. So let's be more modest, more careful, and understand where we're going. Yadlin pointed to recent escalations between Israel and Iran in Syria. In February, an Iranian drone infiltrated Israeli airspace. It was later found to be laden with explosives, apparently for a terror attack. Israel retaliated by striking the control center for the drone and Syria's anti-aircraft system. Last week, Israel reportedly struck a Syrian airfield, also used to control Iranian drones. Iran promised strong retaliation for the strike. He's warning Israel to be prepared. Warnings coming from the Russians in Syria and also from the Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas who has declared that they will fight Trump's Jerusalem move vigorously and says they won't allow the US embassy to move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Yeah, he was very adamant the Palestinians will not allow US President Trump or anyone else to say that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, according to President Mahmoud Abbas. The Palestinians, he said, will continue to fight Trump's decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital, as they have been doing for the past few months. The Palestinians will not allow any country to move its embassy to Jerusalem before there's a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Abbas said, during a meeting with Arab delegates attending a conference in Ramallah. On May the 14th, the U.S. will hold an official dedication ceremony for the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem's Arnona neighborhood. I read this morning there are 250 American leaders in the delegation to Israel. Trump, who formally recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital and announced the embassy relocation on December 6th, had mulled attending the inauguration himself, but has reportedly decided against going. So far, the U.S. and Guatemala are the only two countries that have formally announced such a move, but Israel says other countries are also moving, uh, uh, is considering moving their missions. Well, Ron, there's been celebrations for the 70th anniversary of the nation of Israel, and Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, says Israel's light will beat the enemy's darkness. What's the story well, there? He's standing on a Bible verse there. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, in a fiery address at a torchlighting ceremony marking Israel's 17th Independence Day, declared that the Jewish state is becoming a world power and said its light will overcome its enemy's darkness. We're turning Israel into a rising world power, Netanyahu said at Mount Herzl in Jerusalem, before lighting a torch on behalf of all the governments of Israel since the founding of the state. 
The Prime Minister thanked U.S. President Trump for his decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital and move its embassy to the Holy City next month. Calling Israel's current relationship with the United States a historic one, Netanyahu said, Thank you, President Trump. Thank you, America. Alluding to unprecedentedly bellicose rhetoric from Iran, the Prime Minister vowed that no one would extinguish Israel's light. All the ancient peoples who were exiled from their lands vanished and scattered all over the place. Only we, the Jewish people, who were like a leaf blown away in the storm of exile, refused to disappear and remained faithful to Zion, Netanyahu said. In the year 70 AD, the menorah went out, but today in Israel's 70th anniversary, the menorah is our country's symbol and its light is stronger than ever. Ron, let's give a little attention to something significant, always significant when nations change their foreign affairs rhetoric and the US State Department has made a change. They've stopped referring to Judea and Samaria as occupied territories. Yeah, there was a US State Department annual report on human rights and the controversial term occupied has been eliminated in references to various territories in and adjacent to Israel. While the term occupied had been used in reports since the Carter administration, the 2017 version drops the term, which is generally used to criticise Israeli policy following military victories through which the Jewish state acquired control of various territories. The change comes after U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Friedman advised the department in December to stop using misleading terms like occupied in reference to Judea and Samaria. At the time, Friedman remarked in an interview, I think the settlements in Judea and Samaria are part of Israel, which was always the expectation when UN Resolution 242 was adopted. He added the 1967 borders were viewed by everybody as not secure. There was always supposed to be some expectation of Israeli expansion into Judea and Samaria. The term occupied is considered by many to be a loaded phrase intended to demonize Israel with regard to its activities in disputed areas. According to policy expert Dan Diker of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs, Friedman is advancing Trump administration policy to correct past mistakes and misconceptions by American diplomats. It's a very encouraging sign. And Ron, before I let you go, tomorrow is Anzac Day and always interesting for us to hear how Anzac Day may be reported in the international media. So in light of Anzac Day tomorrow, Israel is referring to an Australian soldier as the godfather of the Israel Defence Forces. How does that story unfold? And sadly, only a few Australians know the heroic story of Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson. Jerry Klinger, the president of the Jewish American Society for Historic Preservation, has authored a detailed account of this extraordinary Aussie. At a tribute in Patterson's honour, Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, There is no exaggeration. Patterson was the commander of the first Jewish fighting force in nearly two millennia, and as such he can be called the godfather of the Israeli army. At that event, Klinger was seated in the front row with the guest of honour. 
of the comment by the Prime Minister Klinger wrote, It was a curious statement to those who knew nothing about Colonel Patterson. Patterson was a Christian. A Christian was the godfather of the modern Israel Defence Forces, not a Jew. The connection becomes even more intimate when we learn Patterson was the godfather of Yoni Netanyahu, the elder brother of the Prime Minister. Yoni, born in 1946, was named for Patterson and for Jonathan's grandfather. Yoni, like his grandfather, rose to the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. He was killed in the 1976 Entebbe Raid. This is an amazing story of a very colourful and heroic man, and one I believe that needs to be proclaimed to the Aussie rooftops. Wow, what a significant number of connections there and a whole lot of different dimensions. Ron, a great set of headlines to report on today and always appreciate your updates on a Tuesday. Ron Ross, thanks so much for being with us once again on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.